0: Yesterday, we talked about what the Florida Gators roster is built for. Now it's time for the bad part here today on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free reviews in the podcast and on YouTube. If you want to leave a review, that'd be awesome. Just say an Apple Podcast would be nice. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at wns underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. Today's episode of Locked on Gators is directed by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, whether it wins or loses. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. And like I mentioned in, in the intro yesterday, we talked about what Florida Gators roster is built to do. Again, what, what their roster is built for. Now, looking at the not so great parts of the roster i'm going to start at cornerback uh because last year cornerback was dreadful like there's no other way to put it this year i'm not too much more optimistic about what that's going to look like not saying that it's going to be terrible but I'm not going to pretend that I think the cornerback room is good right now. Um, you look at who you lost from that room. Jalen Kimber is gone. He was statistically your second worst cornerback, by the way. Just want to just want to point that out. Statistically, he's the second worst corner. Um, Jaden Hill and Nickel is gone. So you've got Sharif Denson coming back. And he's expected to be the starting star. But look at Jason Marshall. And he allowed 24.2 yards per catch, um, which was second worst in Power Five among starters. So 24.2 yards per catch is awful. Then you look at he allowed 10.8 yards per target, which is also very terrible. That one I had to do manually, so I don't have the the Power Five numbers uh, in front of me. But he also allowed five touchdowns. Zero interceptions and a, a passer rating of one hundred and twenty-four point one. The best passer rating you can get NFL passer rating, not college. That's a joke. But the NFL the uh, NFL passer rating, the best that you can get is one hundred and fifty-eight point three. Generally, if you get, I mean, if if you get above a hundred, we're we're talking about a pretty good performance there uh the the if you were to just you know take the snap and and throw it out of bounds every single play you'd have a passer rating of 39.6 just for the record so that that's what and that's relevant for who we're going to talk about in a couple minutes but jason marshall statistically one of the worst starting power five corners in the entire country obviously skill wise he is better than that he had some plays where it didn't really work out like he like the uh the Will Shepard touchdown against Vanderbilt where he gave up on the play. That's going to destroy his statistics. However, honestly, I'd rather the stats than the film watching that and watching him give up to complain. Um, That's just atrocious, and and that should never be a thing. You look at Devin Moore, who Devin Moore statistically was pretty damn good. Devin Moore allowed um, six yards per catch. It was 2.5 yards per target. Pretty good numbers. However, best ability is availability. And that's going to be my stance with Devin Moore. Is the best ability is availability. And plain and simple, he was not available. Uh he had a lot of passer rating of 42.4. Uh he had a pick and a touchdown. The pick, of course, if, if you remember, was uh um, batted up at, at the line against Tennessee. He was someone that picked off Joe Milton there. Um and so that's what happened there It was batted up and it just went straight into the air and he ended up being the guy to walk away with the interception from that. He just, he happened to be right place, right time, which I'm not, I'm not going to take that away from anyone. So Devin Moore, he was also, I think, I think like, I, I don't care too much for coverage grades, but I do think he was the highest grade corner for Florida in coverage. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, pretty good year from Devin Moore like like the on film he was pretty damn good it's just if you can't stay healthy then I can't sit here and go oh he, he's gonna answer everything like, like he's the answer to Florida's questions at corner again best ability is availability and plain and simple he has not been available uh I don't have the numbers or I didn't bother grabbing the numbers for Sharif Denson because he played such limited snaps uh so I didn't think it was really relevant was not targeted only played 31 snaps against the pass in the entire season so yeah just to me it didn't seem relevant to look at him statistically on film though looked pretty good um so i again this is like we've talked about multiple times when we talk about the freshmen taking on bigger roles it's like a lot of them looked good in limited time But when you're playing down in, down out, drive in, drive out, things change. There's more film on you to attack you. There's more opportunities to make mistakes. You're not fresh legs coming in against a guy who's been running routes or if you're one of the edge players. You're not fresh legs coming in against a tackle that's been just working through the entire game. So while Sharif Denson looked great in limited time and a small sample size, We'll see how he looks long-term. Same thing with Devin Moore. Devin Moore looked great in a limited sample size. And Jakeem Jackson is another guy that we're going to talk about who played more snaps. Like He played uh, basically almost every game. He rotated in and out. Uh, he allowed 25.2 yards per catch, which is worse than Jason Marshall's. But again, significantly less playing time, significantly less targets. Didn't hit the qualifier for uh, the the power five. So didn't include him in there. 13.7 yards per target, 129.9 pass rating with Jakeem Jackson. I do think it's important to talk about 55. He allowed 151 yards on the year. 55 of those came on one play against Vanderbilt. And that's also that same drive where Vanderbilt went back at him and he made a play in the end zone to break up the ball. And so it was one of those times where we're like, all right, But, like, you had a a bad play, but you came back and you made plays. And and I will give him credit for that 100% of the time. Um, And then I believe he also got burnt against Tennessee, gave up a big touchdown. They ran, like, their switch verticals thing, um, which is their their pick play type stuff. And he got beat by, I believe it was Brew McCoy on that one, who, hey, if you're a true freshman getting beat by a a 25-year-old wide receiver, i'm not gonna fault you too much you know true freshman in what your your second or third game i'm not gonna fault you too much i do think that he showed flashes uh on film but he's someone who's still learning how to play corner and he's he's got a lot of room to grow like he's a tremendous athlete and i do think that with some technical refinement he could be really good got like great great length great speed great change of direction ability he's got all that but he is someone that he he needs time to develop and i do think that he might be a little bit of a, a baptism by fire situation where you're going to see jason marshall jr and devin moore probably penciled in as the starters unless florida brings someone in but jakeem jackson corner three so corner three is going to rotate in and for me, that's where I'm like, all right, like, y- you gotta have people that are actually going to develop and improve here. And I do think that Jakeem Jackson can do it. And I do think that Devin Moore, if he's healthy, will continue. That's right. Like, there's certain guys where you go, okay, with more snaps, they're going to, like, like, they'll get exposed a little bit. And it happens a lot with younger guys. But Devin Moore is someone where watching what he does on film when he's healthy He's someone that I I look at and I go, okay, like with a larger sample size, I do think he'll translate to be really good. It's just, you you have to find a way to get him healthy. Hopefully the new strength and conditioning staff helps him there because he's just someone that, yeah, can't stay on the field. And again, I've said it a million times and it probably gets a bit irritating. The best abilities availability and he plain and simple has not been available. So for me, that's something he really desperately has to improve on. And hopefully in 2024, Will be healthy. We're about to talk about the offensive line, which is going to break my heart. Um, But first, we're going to get a quick word from FanDuel. Today's episode of Lock My Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. And let me tell you, they have been just, just giving me money, basically, at this point. That's really what they're doing. It's beautiful. They'll give you money, too. Right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. It's hundred and fifty bucks in bonus bets, whether you win or lose that bet. Throw it on something crazy. They started adding uh, profit boosters, where it's like the more legs you put on a bet, then then the higher the profit boost gets. It's wild. Uh, boost builders, sorry. It's a profit boost builder, and they get kind of wild with it. Like, uh, You can bet 12 legs, and it's now 105% boost. It's crazy. I'm just saying that they're just giving you money. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and make your first bet a layup. And remember, that FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Thanks for making Loud Down Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to you, wherever you listen to the podcast and on YouTube. Uh if you're considering joining Florida Victorious or signing up and supporting Florida's NIL efforts, want to save 20% on your first month, use promo code Locked. That's L O C K E D to sign up with Florida Victorious. And like I mentioned, another big area of concern for me is offensive line. Um it was really, really bad in 2023. Damian George allowed 29 pressures, 12 games, 29 pressures. Okay, that's really bad. Um, but also, you have Austin Barber who allowed 16 pressures in just nine games. He's uh, he was on pace to give up 21 pressures had he played in all 12 games. Like obviously, he might have had way worse games or way better games, but on pace for 21 pressures in. Uh, nine in 12 games had he played all 12 games. You have Jake Slaughter, who allowed nine pressures in 11 games. Uh, he didn't start every one of those, he, he rotated in for a couple with Kingsley Guacan when he was available. Only played one snap against Kentucky, uh, only played six against Georgia, only played four against Arkansas, only played 18 against McNeese, but that one was because it was a blowout. Uh, so so he had three of those games where he didn't really do much, but even then. If you count those as, like, not played, that's still, what, let's actually look at what he gave up in those games. Against Kentucky, no pressures. Against Georgia, one pressure. So, even if you keep that pressure for him, like, let's not take the pressure away, but take the game away. And that's nine pressures in, what, eight games? Guess what? That would still leave him at the top of of Florida's list for starters. Nine pressures in eight games over 12-game pace would be 13 pressures, maybe 14, depending on the decimal where it goes. Still the best on the team. Okay? So for Florida, I I I look at the offensive line and I go, okay, your your tackles that are returning, and I'm just counting Damian George on line because he's probably going to play somewhere, whether that's guard or tackle. So I'm going to count Damian George for it. Of your linemen that are returning, the only one that wasn't a complete and utter disappointment was Jake Slaughter, who, by the way, grade-wise, which I, I I don't dive too much into PFF grades, but Jake Slaughter, 14th best center in the country last year. Just want to throw that one out there. But allowed nine pressures on the season for Jake Slaughter, 16 for Austin Barber with a pace of 21, and Damian George allowed 29 playing all 12 games. Those are terrible numbers. Brandon Crenshaw Dixon allowed, uh, 10 pressures last year in 10 games, 10 starts. That's a great, like if you're allowing one pressure per game, we're going to be like, okay, that's great. Um, Austin Barber allowed just under two and Damian George allowed just over. I mean, Damian George is about 2.5, 29, 12 is going to be around two and a half per game. Florida. And and that's not bad to have one guy that does that. What, what sucks is when you have multiple guys there. Um. And so for Florida, the offensive line terrifies me because you brought in Brandon Crenshaw-Dixon and Devin Manuel. I don't expect Devin Manuel to start. I do expect Austin Barber to be one of the starters and Brandon Crenshaw-Dixon the other. Um, guard, you're replacing both Richie Leonard and Micah mazuka who I don't care how you feel about them. You're replacing the guys that started there. And it's not like, oh, you were replacing them because they started and went to the NFL draft. Neither of them did that. So I'm not sure what you do at guard. I like what Naishi Harris did last season uh, on film. He looked pretty good. Uh, he had, let's see what he had numbers wise. He had one pressure allowed in 86 pass blocking reps, which is far in a way the best on the uh, Florida Gators line. Lindell Hudson, by the way, had two allowed in 96 pressures. So 10 more or er, er, 96 snaps. So, 10 more snaps, just one more pressure is pretty good. Uh, But you don't have him back either. Cam Waits had seven pressures allowed in 114 snaps. I don't think he looked good on film last year. I'm just just being completely honest. I don't think Cam Waits looked good. Damian George did not look good. Austin Barber did not look good. The only returning offensive linemen that genuinely looked good were Jake Slaughter and Najee Harris. So let's say Najee Harris starts at one of the guard spots, which is the expectation at this point. What do you do at the other guard spot? Is it Damian George? Because the thing is, also, when we talk about Damian George, there's no promise that Damian George is going to be better at guard. We think that he would translate better. Like, based on how he moves and how he plays, we think he translates better at guard. You don't know that he's going to be better at guard. And again, I I know every time I talk about Damian George, I get the, the comments of, like, he played guard at Bama! No, he didn't. He played tackle. Every single snap in his college career has been playing tackle. He has never played a snap at guard. I don't care if he practiced there. You didn't play there. He never played guard. Stop telling me he played guard so he should do that for Florida. That's not what he did. Okay? So I I don't know what you do at the other guard spot, if that's Damian George. I would personally love to see Rod Kearney get some reps there and see if he's the answer, but the staff, for whatever reason, moved him to center. And I am i will say, I do think he should be a guard, but I also think Najee Harris should stay at center, and he's played well at guard. Do, do you look at someone like like Riley Simons? Is he going to be a guy that you go, maybe now's the time when he steps up and he's ready to actually contribute to this offensive line? Yeah, I mean, he played six snaps last year, so let's not pretend that he's a proven answer anyway. Christian Williams, is he someone that you look at and you go, okay, he can do it. Uh, he al- also only played 22 snaps last year. So like it's it's not like Florida had guys where they're like, oh, you know, they they showed flashes and limited reps. They just didn't play. So I don't know what you do at guard for Florida. Truly, whatever it is, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be multiple guys rotating in and out and trying to figure out the best combination to start on the offensive line for Florida. But I'm not going to lie to you and pretend that like, that that this is a line that has impressed me or a line that I'm looking at and I'm like, oh, they can get it done. Running the ball last year was damn near impossible because of how bad the offensive line was. If the running backs weren't as good as they were, Florida has less than five wins, okay? So for Florida, I I know that you got to get the ball out quickly. You got to try to get around the offensive line, but this is just, it's not a promising offensive line. I'm just going to say, and tackle play should be improved and tackle play is more important than the guard play. But look, this is, I mean, running football, probably going to be difficult this year for Florida. You're probably going to have to rely on the quick game again. It's not an offensive line that shows a ton of promise for me. And I get it. Like I, I like having Brandon Crenshaw Dixon. I think he's your best tackle. I like bringing in Devin Manuel. I think it's a fun competition, but that would require this coaching staff sitting Austin Barber, which I don't know if they're willing to do or moving Damian George to guard, which I also don't know if they're willing to do. Like so many of us have had the conversation of Damian George to play guard. We have no confirmation that that's in the plans at all. So for all we know, he's just going to be a backup tackle with Devin Manuel, and guard is figure it out mode, uh, which isn't promising either to wrap up today's show. We're going to take a look at The Edge Room because The Edge Room, really bad for Florida. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. Again, like I, again I, I tell you that when you come to this show, whether I'm right or wrong, I don't care. You're getting my informed opinion and my honest opinion. And The Edge Room, very promising, but there is not a single proven soul in that room whether you're talking Tyreek Sapp, whether you're talking Justice Boone returning from injury, and I do mean edge, like strong side, defensive end, because you're kind of on an island out there, and Jack Linebacker, the stand-up edge rusher role. There is not a single proven soul in that room that I look at and I go, they're going to be the difference maker that this defense needs. You look at someone like Tyreek Sapp, who started last year, didn't play poorly, he, just, he didn't play great, and I'm looking for someone who can move the needle, and I don't think Tyreek Sapp does that. We can talk about Kelby Collins. We can talk about TJ Searcy. However, one, very limited snaps that they played, and two, they weren't awesome in the snaps that they did. They, they were great for true freshmen. Like, that's what it was. They played very well four guys that were true freshmen, but you look at like pass rush win rate is a PFF stat that I do very much like, and I do very much enjoy. Kelby Collins had a 6.3% pass rush win rate. Okay. 6.3% is very bad. Uh, I just want to throw that one out there, especially when we're talking about a guy who might be expected to be the leading pass rusher here. So Kelby Collins, 6.3% pass rush win rate. Tyreek Sapp, 7.6% pass rush win rate. TJ Searcy, 4.5% 4.5% pass rush win rate. Um, you look at anyone, Jack Pyburn, 4.3% pass rush win rate. I'm not saying that none of these guys can end up being good. I'm just saying that they weren't last year. They, they weren't very effective last year. And, and that's just something that Florida you're going to have to adapt to. And you're going to have to kind of answer. I mean, I, I'm going to use Princely Uman Mielin because again, I, I do think that, you know, I, I I think he's very good, but he had a 20.9% pass rush win rate. Best on the team for starters. Caleb Banks at 10.2%. That's not a good pass rush win rate either, really. And Princely, going back to his uh, his first year playing in 2021, was at like 14%. So like you can take big jumps and you can take big leaps. And where Princely really shined was in true pass sets when it wasn't like action, RPO, that kind of stuff. He was dominant. He had like a 33% pass win rate. But this is an edge group that has nobody proven. And while we talk about guys like Kelby Collins, TJ Searcy, Tyreek Sapp, Justice Boone with another year under his belt. um, When we talk about Jack Pyburn, when we talk about Cam James, and, and we talk about, them progressing and it's like oh well now you're getting year two kelby Collins and year two T J Searcy and year two Jack Pyburn and year three whoever year four whoever like you're you're talking about taking those next steps yeah however and we've talked about this a lot when we talk about these big projections when we talk about guys taking big leaps all of a sudden through their projection history tells you that not all of those guys are going to live up to their their potential, live up to their expectation. Some will probably, especially when we talk about like six or seven guys and we're like, oh, like these are going to be the answer. Sure, you're probably going to get one or two that step up. However, we're talking about two edge spots where you need three or four qualified players at that spot. So for me, edge is a concern. I like that you brought in George Gums. I like his potential. However, he's not proven either. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that the edge room is going to be bad. But when we talk about what spots on this roster give me concern, edge has to be in that conversation. It has to because you have a ton of youth. Yes, LJ McCray can probably play at that strong side defensive end spot. Sure. Like when you talk about this defense and you talk about the youth yet, yeah, there's a lot of guys who are probably going to step up, but I don't like when we kind of look at all of them and go, Oh, they're all going to be good. It's just not realistic to do and realistic to look at. And so for me, that's where I kind of point out. And I'm like, all right, I'm a big concern. Like I've I've said my big concern with Jack Pyburn is that he's, the seven weeks removed from ACL surgery and he's looking good in the workout videos that he's posting. Like, like his knee looks good to go. But of course it's not good to go right now. And you know, we do have to talk about what development he's really going to get in the spring. And even then, cause he, he wasn't, he straight up was not good in 2023 for a, a, a walk-on player. Like yeah, yeah. For what he was and what the expectations were, he was good. However, as an SEC starter, he wasn't. Like, he wasn't that quality. And he started, I think, one game. Um, but he, he wasn't a starter-quality player there. And so I, I don't think Florida has any proven starter-quality players in that edge room. And again, we could talk about guys who we think will project, like Kelby Collins and, and uh, Tyreek Sapp getting better with another year as a starter and, and TJ Searcy. None of them are proven. That's my concern. I don't think that they're bad. They're just not proven. And when we talk about expanding the sample size, there's a decent chance that at least a few of them are not going to take the next step that we're looking towards. At least on the bright side, a lot of those edge guys will have a second year with their position coach and Mike Peterson, where we talk about defensive line guys, you're going to have a new defensive line coach. Maybe he's teaching you different things, and now you have to learn different things. Same thing with linebacker and in the secondary. Everything on defense has changed except for the edge groom. So I do think that maybe they have that benefit, but for Florida, like, would have preferred if you were more aggressive looking at edge in the transfer portal, but they weren't, and this is where we're at now. And again, I don't hate the room. It's just really inexperienced and not proven, and that's what concerns me. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free. We're to, to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Giants Country and NFL 33, and I'll see you all tomorrow.